Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Ginsick. It is Country Club Wednesday. We're going to talk golf ball today. Uh, I'll close out with a little tennis chat and uh, a little NBA tip for tonight's uh, Warriors-Lakers game from myself. Uh, we'll get to that at the end. But now let's bring in Brad Thomas straight away. Let's get into uh, talking about the PGA Championship and then the Byron Nelson. Uh, let's look back on the Wells Fargo, though, Brad. Uh, Jordan Spieth missed the cut. He's out this week at Byron Nelson. Do you think that he's going to play next week at the PGA Championship? Yeah, I'd imagine he's going to at least give it a shot, right? He's taking some time off. He was playing such great golf until last week, and you kind of had to imagine that something was was ailing him, right? You just don't go from playing great golf to losing, what, 3.7 strokes on approach. He's going to try it out on Monday and Tuesday from what I heard, and if everything is a go, I think even if he's going to be like 65%, He's going to give it a shot. Uh, missing a major is something you don't want to do, especially as a guy who maybe his clock is winding down for absolute elite golf. Uh, he wants to play as many majors as possible. So I think he gives it a go. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I got to tell you, this is more evidence in the kind of category of they are putting these PGA Tour players through an absolute grind early in the season. Oh, yeah. This is going to continue to open the door for live major drama. I got to tell you, uh, just the amount of golf these guys are playing and the fact that they're picking up these injuries is not a good sign. Speaking of not a good sign, McElroy really hasn't shown us much since he you know, completely no-showed at the Masters. Um, missed the cut at the players and the Masters. Wow. Uh, what, are, what are we thinking about his uh, kind of state of his game as he heads into a PGA Championship uh, as one of kind of you know, in the mix for the co-favorites, which doesn't just doesn't really feel right. Man, Roy's tough because in golf, you want to bet on guys who are strong mentally. The hardest aspect to master in the game is your mental ability. And he came out publicly and said that he took a mental break. Well, if you play a course like Oak Hill, for those who don't know, when they have it set up for their members, they have it long and penal, but the rough is playable. The superintendent there already said, he's already said it's going to be penal and penal, which means it's going to be longer and the rough is going to be more thick. While Rory is the longest driver on tour by average, he's only hitting fairways at 50%. So if his mental game's not right, I could see him totally being checked out. The problem with that, like I don't want to go and fade Rory in head-to-heads because all it takes is one good driving week and he's top five at worst. But from a outright perspective i'd imagine i need to see his price drop closer to 14 for me to think there's even any remotely value on betting on him 
Yeah. Let's uh, stick around to the top of the board. Uh, John Rahm is the favourite next week, um, coming off an incredible stretch to start the season. Scotty Scheffler uh, is the second favourite, and then Rory is third. Those three have kind of solidified themselves, I guess, as the tier one uh, in golf. Are you buying John Rahm as the favourite over Scheffler, Brad? Man, so when I was looking up these numbers in my prep, I was really trying to find a definitive measurable that really made me want to pick Rom or Scotty. I'm going to play them both and probably just single those two guys as my two horses. Like when you look at their numbers, one and two in strokes game total, one and two in strokes game per round, um, one in like five in birdie average. We can go to driving accuracy, one in like four. I mean, or five and four, excuse me. It, it, they're so close. I need to see how Scotty plays this week, though. Scotty was going to play this event ultimately probably because he's a Texan. Uh, he, he wanted to do this for the Byron Nelson Foundation. But if he goes out there and he cannot putt, he loses like four strokes on the putting surface, I would consider not playing him and, and just taking Rom. Rom's playing outside of his mind. There's no golfer hotter than him right now. And the crazy thing about Rom he can have a, a subpar round, but then the next round, you know, he's going to go low. That's why he's number one in, in birdies per round, birdie averages per tournament, because he can have that one round that can absolutely save a tournament. Just like he had at the Mexico open where he didn't look like he was in contention. He just tried to go out there and set a course record. I think Ram is probably the highest ceiling golfer we've seen since peak Tiger Woods. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of being priced like that. We're kind of getting back to the point where Ram a couple of years ago was going off for tournaments at plus 500, plus 600. Uh, and he's not far off that at the moment. All right, before we get to the Byron Nelson, a reminder to download the Rotowalt app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right. Well, Scotty Scheffler is playing this week at the Byron Nelson. Not many others are. We've got the great Seamus Power as the ninth favorite at this event, uh, which is not something you typically see. Uh, Scheffler is plus 350 uh, to win a golf tournament, um, which is an incredible (laughs) price, Brad. Uh, How do you think he'll treat this? And uh, any interest in plus 350? No interest at plus 350, although I do think this could set up like the Mexico Open where number one and number two in the field are duking it out just because of the way it's set up. But the reason I'm not interested in plus 350 is not because he's not a great golfer. It's because I am afraid of his putter. This course will set up as a putting contest, and Scotty Scheffler, when he's not rolling the rock, it is awful. And so you're telling me you're getting three to one, three and a half to one on a guy who could go out there and putt terribly the week before major – I don't think he's going to use it as a tune-up, but it's hard mentally when you're just not playing well or something's not clicking to say, I'm going to give this my all. I'm really going to grind out this tournament for a really good result because I love the people of Dallas, Texas. No, he's going to say, well, I need to work on something in my game, but I don't want to fatigue myself before the major, the second major of the year. It's way more important next week. So no, no interest in betting him at three to five. Okay. Good note. Uh, we'll pass. Uh, if you have somebody at the top of the board this aggressively priced and you're willing to pass, that should open up opportunities for kind of that uh, second tier middle class. Anyone really pop uh, Terrell Hatton 12 to 1, Adam Scott 30 to 1? Are these guys, uh, you know, kind of showing you enough form to get involved or do you have somebody else in mind? I am betting Terrell Hatton. I think it's disgusting to bet him at 12 to 1, but. I play a lot of one and done and I saved him for this week. When I saw that he played so well last week, quietly, 
I was so excited. And why I, I'm saving him for this week is because his biggest issue is when he's playing poorly or he has those blow up holes, it's because he's hitting his ball wayward or he's playing at a course that has overly penal rough. And this week, the rough is going to be – the fairway is wide and the rough is going to be cut down short. In my primary model, Tyrrell Hatton is number one. And why is that? Because he's great off the tee. He hits it long, hits it straight. He's number three on approach. He's 10th in putting. And he's fourth in birdies or better game. This is going to be a birdie fest. I don't really want to bet on Adam Scott in a birdie fest, even though his number is way better. It's not like I'm looking at Tyrrell Hatton and Adam Scott and they have the same skill set, but Adam Scott's double the price. I just think they're two different golfers playing good golf. I prefer Tyrrell Hatton at this course. Okay, Tyrrell Hatton 12 to 1 to win it all, plus 150 to finish in the top 10. Further down the board, Brad, anyone else you've circled? My man, Jason Day. Uh, so <laughs> one. Anyone else? I am not betting Jason. I, I think I I got Jason Day betting fatigue. Like he was great to bet on when he was like forty to one, thirty eight to one. But I'm tired of doing that. Like I'm exhausted. I actually like Tom Kim and Taylor Montgomery. And what's so great about this? This is going to be a birdie fest. It's an easy course. So I had these numbers pooled of golfers who perform best at birdie or easy courses. Taylor Montgomery number one. Tom Kim, number two. And what's even better about that is they're two different golfers and they do it totally different ways. Tom Kim's top five in strokes gained approach. He hits a lot of, uh, of greens and regulation, but more importantly, it's how he hit these. These are going to be massive greens, right? So you need to hit it on the right shelf, the right part of the green to give yourself a good putt. Tom Kim's not a great putter, but he's going to hit the ball so well on these greens. It's going to put him in advantageous position to make birdies. Well, Taylor Montgomery, he's not the strongest guy on approach, but he is the best putter in the field. If this turns into a putting contest, I think he can ball out. And, you know, I think some of that pressure has kind of gone off on him. He started the season where he had all this pressure to be great. You know, that kind of happens with new guys where they're going to be the hottest golfer. It doesn't happen like that. You don't go from the KFT and just start winning tournaments automatically. Like that very seldom happens. And, I think his back-to-back miscuts, he miscuts at RBC and Wells Fargo. Well, let him breathe a little bit. Just go out there and play a course that's set up really nicely for him. Yep. This is going to be Tom Kim's league soon, Brad. Yes. Much like, uh, oh. Tim like Tim Duncan once said to LeBron James, this is going to be your league soon, waiting for that <laughs> simile to transpire between John Rahm and Tom Kim. Uh, but for the meantime, Brad, can you tell people uh, what you're working on and what content you've got going on this week? Yeah, so we will have our outrights article for the Byron Nelson out this week. And to be honest, I will be focusing very heavily on content for the PGA Championship uh, starting Thursday through the next Friday, next Saturday. Um, so you can find that on my Twitter page at Mr. Brad Thomas or the NBCSportsEdge.com website. Okay, awesome. You're the man, Brad. Appreciate the time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cool. All right, before we get to some tennis been a while looking forward to this Drew. uh a reminder that there is really no off season in the nfl now that the draft is in the rear view it's time to get ready for the upcoming season tune into peacock the nfl network or nfl plus tomorrow night at 8 p.m eastern and prepare to circle your favorite matchups and weeks this fall as the nfl reveals its 2023 schedule we'll also dedicate our entire bet the edge show friday to nfl futures following the release of every team's regular season slate hey fidelity what's it cost to invest with the fidelity app start with as little as one dollar with no account fees or trade commissions on u.s stocks and etfs Hmm, that's music to my ears i can only talk 
investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles. With the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return, shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons. All handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. A couple early awards bets, Drew, uh, that I won't get into now, but we'll jump into Friday. We talked a little bit about it yesterday with Ken, but uh, a couple others that I've got uh, circled. One in particular that I really like. Uh, What's beautiful is that before people behind the scenes, we asked Ken, you done any work? He's like, ah, not really. It's it's early. And then between talking about that yesterday and then I saw Scott some of his show yesterday, he went into everything. So we've we've lit the fire (laughs) of awards betting. And uh, it's yeah, it's going to be fun to get into all that. It's right around the corner. So four months away. Time flies. Uh, Time flies when you're watching tennis, which is going to carry us through to the NFL season. Uh, Let's talk ATP Rome. Carlos Alcaraz, who was looking a bit shaky two, three months ago, coming off the injury. Now he's just back to being, I mean, he's not even back. Like this seems like the best version of Alcaraz we've seen. He's plus 125 uh, to win in Rome and Djokovic is plus 300. And then the young crew of Sinner and Arune follow. Uh, What do you make of the outright ball? Yeah, so this is we're at the three quarter pole, right? Uh, of the clay of the clay swing as we are rounding into Rome and uh, come down the home stretch with um, uh, the French Open. Obviously, puts an exclamation point on the clay swing, um, and it's been entertaining. Uh, but the key, and and as you mentioned, Alcaraz has been awesome. Like he's just been he's been winning, he's been dominant. Uh, however, I had a higher grade on him last year's cycle than I have this year's cycle, and it's not necessarily because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing it's just that the level of competition he's been doing it against has been much lower last year we saw him win madrid and on the way he took out nadal and djokovic both the guys when they were in somewhat form um and that matters like you know he hasn't really had to go head to head against uh you know the true legends of the game (laughs) to this point on the clay swing so there are still some questions and we saw the outright market the outright pool completely flipped on its head by the way djokovic coming out of um, australia coming out of uh you know the winter portion of the calendar he was the favorite uh, as we weren't really sure what kind of physical status Rafa Nadal was in for Roland Garros, uh, Nadal took on—I mean, Djokovic took on uh, the top, you know, top choice, and uh, Alcaraz was a big question mark with his injury. And uh, since then, that has completely flipped because the question marks injury-wise now are all circling around Mr. Novak Djokovic. He's only played four tennis matches so far this year on clay, Jay, and they've been. Pretty, pretty uninspiring tennis matches. He he barely gets by a, t- a fringe top 200 player um, in Ivan Gakov in uh, in Monte Carlo before getting you know thoroughly defeated by Lorenzo Musetti, uh, and then he goes to Banja Luka 
which is of course in uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, and uh, yeah, narrowly defeats a fringe 100 player and Luka Van Ash, and then just gets his clock clean by Dusan Lajevic. Uh, so mm. you know that's four pretty not you know not not top tier competition there, and he has not looked great. And what you should know about uh, Djokovic is that he takes a little bit of time to warm up into kind of peak form. He doesn't just kind of show up and flip the switch and just dominate tournaments. That's not how it goes. So I agree with the market drifting. And this is probably his most important tournament of the, you know, this portion of the calendar, because if he doesn't make a little bit of run here, if he doesn't get some court time, if he doesn't adapt to the conditions, uh, he's not going to have much of a success opportunities at Roland Garros. And I would say um, the conditions here at Rome are the slowest of all of the major tournaments in the run up. Okay. That generally plays the play, you know, it favors the players who are true clay court specialists. Um, and, but it flavors Djokovic. I mean, Djokovic has been dominant here in the past. He's won multiple titles at Rome, and some of them basically uncontested. He was so good. Uh, and if he kind of gets to that level over the balance of this tournament, then I would expect that he's going to be the bet at Roland Garros over Alcaraz. Because Alcaraz, he's coming into Roland Garros with. He's, he's got a title now, like he's done it, but he still has yet to show me that he really has mastered best of five. And overall, the men's tennis, like the top right now, there's not a huge gap between Alcaraz and that next next crew of guys, including your guy, Yannick Sinner. Um, but all of these guys are dealing with, uh, you know, some injuries in some form. Uh, Djokovic himself, it's an elbow. Don't don't love tennis elbow rumors, but, uh, uh, you know, he's he's. He's been bluffing in, in the past about his physical status, so I'll believe it when I see it that he really does have uh, a limiting injury with his elbow. But uh, Sinner is absolutely in the mix for Roland Garros. Um, uh, Holger Rune is in the mix for Roland Garros. And then uh, you can't really rule out uh, Stefano, Stefano Sissipas or Medvedev, even though neither guy has really shown peak form this cycle. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting tournament. Uh, but the key to watch is if you're seeing Djokovic produce at the level of Rome uh, runs past. And that means he's kind of just had it all this whole time. And he's just, hasn't been showing us uh, then he's going to be the bet for Roland Garros. And I think it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty decent opportunity to make a decent wager on him. So that's, that's really the key that we're watching here is, is trying to uh, nail the uh, French open market. Yep. Okay, well, two things. One, Yannick Sinner is not my man. He's my uh, anti-man. Uh, I'm very, very low on Yannick Sinner. He's cost me a lot of money over the journey, Yannick. Never forgive him for that uh, that quarterfinal against Alcaraz uh, in New York where he uh, had a match point on his serve and uh, just completely bottled it. Uh, looked like a terrified, terrified man on the court. Never forgive you for that, Yannick. I had you doubled into Aaron Judge at 100-1 to 1 MVP. Oh, and, no. Uh, did not come home, but uh, that's okay. Also, Djokovic is not my man either because yeah, he burned me in a big wager of the French last year where uh, I was really expecting mm, him to take oh, care of yeah. Nadal. And uh, he did not show up. Did not show up for a Grand no. Slam, I believe it was a semi. Yeah, didn't show up for that one. Thanks for that, Novak. Uh, you want to talk about Don Fabio Fognini and Andy Murray? Ah. Uh, Andy Murray minus 220 favorite. Fabio is uh, plus 170. Who do you like here? Oh gosh, what a match today! So this is uh, the last uh, last sw- um, you know last uh, portion of the card for uh, this Wednesday, and uh, yeah, Fanini and Annie Murray. This is a classic matchup. These two players first played each other, Jay, in two thousand seven. This is wow. a long, long wasn't even rivalry. Two thousand before your four year time, um, two thousand seven. Fanini and Andy Murray. They've now played each other eight times. This is going to be the tilt number nine. And you know what? 
this is the rubber match because they are four for lifetime. Uh, and realistically, both men at the kind of tail end of their careers here. So this could be the last time we see these two players play. Fanini produces really, really watchable tennis. Like, if you don't really care for tennis one way or the other because you find it boring, watch a Fanini match because he brings the drama in absolute spades. It's either going to be colossally exciting or it's going to be just watch this guy utterly melt down on the court. Uh, so this is much watch, must watch tennis if you didn't already know that. Andy Murray is a grinder. He's going to try to make this match as long as possible and wear Fanini down, and he probably will win. So I agree with the favoritism status at minus 220. I took two positions on this match, though. Uh, I'm looking for Fanini to win set one, I bet that at plus 135. Uh, I think Andy Murray is going to take some time to warm up to these conditions. He's coming off of a challenger title, uh, a rare clay title for Andy Murray, his third challenger title on clay uh, just last week in Ajax en Provence. Ajax en Provence? Uh, you could probably Ex- pronounce that best. Ex en Provence. Yeah, I randomly spent like three weeks there once. Ex en Provence? Beautiful. 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 Yeah, wonderful little town. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very high on it. Yeah, Rosé, Rosé. Yeah, Rosé country, uh, GSM country. Yeah. Yeah, I'm much higher on Exxon Provence than I am on uh, Yannick Sinner, but uh, I digress. (laughs) Continue. Well, Andy Murray coming off a title in Aix-en-Provence, right into Rome, right into the fire. I think he's going to take a little time to warm up. So I like Fanini uh, to win the first set at plus 135. And I played over two and a half sets at uh, plus 140. So I think this goes the distance. I think Andy Murray likely wins 2-1. I don't mind sprinkling a little Andy Murray 2-1. That's kind of a fun price as well. But this is going to be must-watch tennis. And uh, if you haven't already gotten to see Rome, uh, like the pomp and circumstance there with the statues and the trees, it's all unbelievable. Like, it's absolutely quintessential, beautiful Mediterranean conditions uh, and much, you know, well worth watching. So uh, enjoy this one with the nightcap in Rome. Fonini, bring home the first set and then, uh, you know, just, you know, I don't care what happens after that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Don Fabio played an incredible match a couple months ago, I want to say, against Alcaraz in Rio. Oh, in Rio. Yeah. <laughs> An absolutely yes. tennis. Yes. Stuff. So, yeah, he's must watch when when he's going up against the the legends of the game. Like it's must watch. Yeah, yeah. he's a uh, good value, Don Fabio. Speaking of good value, at least I hope it's good value. Uh, my bet for today, tonight, Warriors Lakers, Game Five. Stephen Curry alternate assists over. So Curry uh, in Game Four. At the start of the third quarter, Curry had eight assists and his live over-under assist total was like 10 and a half. It was like plus 110 the over. Uh, and so I bet on that. And so he had, yeah. And then he, he basically, he covered within three minutes of the bet being placed. The Lakers, the way that they are playing defense on Curry, at least in game four, uh, they were sending two at him and then everything's just running through Curry. Just every single play for a stretch of that game was just Curry drawing Anthony Davis's man uh, into a screen and then going from there and then just whipping assists around. He had 14 total in game four and he had 19 potential assists. He also had 12 in game two in, uh, in 30 minutes. Now, he's had three in the other two games. So that's why I like the alternates as opposed to just backing over six and a half assists. And I think the thing here is that Curry, his alternates are being priced the same way. as just like any random player who's set at six and a half over under assists. And Curry, just with his usage, which was above 34% last game and just a big increase over his 29% usage in the regular season, and just the way that... The, they are attacking on offense and the Lakers have been guarding them just means there's a ton of variance where he has scope to get 10, 12 assists. 
Curry to get 12 assists is 11 to 1. He's done it two of the four games so far. To get 10 plus is plus 450. I like that as well. And look, the Lakers, they might just play a different defense. They might not send two at him. They might just switch Davis onto him like they were at the end of the game. And then the bet is just done. But there is a good chance that it's just the same thing again, at which point you're riding the variance, you're riding the upside. Uh, I think that Curry is going to have to do it all again because Jordan Poole uh, is not on planet Earth at the moment. So I think that everything is just going to have to go through Curry. <laughs> I'm not sure they want him shooting 30 times again. Uh, and also, he had 14 assists last game and they couldn't make a shot. Uh, hmm. So he really could have had more assists. So uh, I think that that is the play. What do you think? I love it. Uh, great breakdown. I uh, agree with you wholeheartedly. The only thing I think you're going to have to be sweating is that the Golden State Warriors might be up 30 going into the fourth quarter, and he may have to get his 10-plus in three quarters. <laughs> That's uh, I think the I think the Warriors are the bet tonight. I think the Lakers are the bet in game six. Um, and uh, I think under 226 has a little bit of legs here as we have uh, a Lakers team that uh, I don't really know uh, how they're going to find their offense in this spot, but uh, we shall see. Yep, agreed. Certainly feels like Warriors by 25. At the same time, though, you never know when these dynasties, when they fall. Uh, it re- I remember the, was it Lakers-Mavs in 2011, where everyone just expected the Lakers yeah. to come out, game three, game four, and then they just they just lost the plot. And look, I think this Warriors team is a bit more uh, is a bit more resilience and fortitude than that Lakers team at that point of their era. So I don't think it's going to go down like that. And you would just expect that the Lakers, I mean, they're a team that is not afraid to take their foot off the gas in a not-must-win situation. We saw that in the Memphis series in yeah. games two and games five, and we saw that in the Golden State series in game two. So I would expect that this is going to be a Warriors blowout. Line's already, it's pushing towards seven and a half, some spots. Yeah. So that's certainly the feeling, but that was the feeling about the Celtics last night too. <laughs> I'm not quitting on the Celtics, by the way. We're coming back for that. Uh, we're, we're coming back for them on game in game six. And uh, ultimately, I think the game seven is a coin flip and... I just, I just wanted Game 7 so we could play the under. Please, is that too much to ask? Yeah, certainly uh, feels like it's training that way. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Thanks again to Brad Thomas for joining us. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. we'll be back tomorrow. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.